Hello and good morning everyone. Only positivity here. I have my coffee with me, ready to kick off podcast number 60 on this playlist that I'm looking to launch called Elevated Thoughts. Now, before diving into the book and everything like that for today, let's go and start with the level set. So, you know, as I endeavor upon pursuing knowledge and life experience in this next phase of life through cannabis, fitness, photography, traveling, many more things, one habit that I've really formed is reading. So this podcast essentially goes through some of the books I've been reading as of late, taking those lessons learned and applying them to experiences in my life. Now, before diving into the book and everything like that for today, let's go and start with a story. Now, um, a little bit of aside from the story today is, you know, I'm really excited as um, over the past year and a half or so since I've launched this podcast to really um, start reaching out to new people, you know. Um, It's really pushed me to kind of break out of my comfort zone, um, dive deep into my contacts, even reach out to new contacts, um, and, you know, actually getting some traction there, which is really cool, you know. Um, You know, clout and all that stuff aside, um, I'm really excited to connect with people. Um, I've connected with some some high school friends, some middle school friends, um, and it's been exciting to hear about what what they're up to nowadays. And um, I'm I'm excited to post that stuff on my channel and everything like that. So um, yeah, dude, if anyone wants a podcast, hit me up, dude. Uh, I'm always down to clown. Um, but yeah, I mean, guess today's story is uh, nothing nothing crazy. I um, so. I mean, I'm, I've been alluding to it in a lot of my podcasts and, you know, when I talk to my fiance and everything like that, but, you know, I'm planning to get married this year, you know, um, barring any, you know, major COVID events or other natural disasters, I guess, right? And that has me really excited. Um, you know, my fiance is actually going on her bachelor party and, um, you know, I'm going on a couple of trips with my buddies, um, one in particular that is not my bachelor party, but I'm kind of low-key, like, saying it is, I guess, or I'm going to celebrate like it is, um, and me and a few of my buddies, we're going to Seattle, and, you know, planning with guys is, is interesting, as is planning with girls, and not to bring up, like, gender and stuff like that, but I'm about to, right, so in my experience, right, bachelorette parties mean a lot to girls, right, it's, um, it's very meticulously planned, um, outfits are bought, little accessories are bought, um, you know, one thing we were talking about is, like, for my buddy's bachelor party we went to in Mexico, you know, it was kind of like, hey, dude, you know, we're going to go get breakfast at this time. If you want to show up, show up. We're going to go get lunch at this time, show up. Um, and it's really laissez-faire, right? Um, but it's not so much, I believe, with the girls, right? There's, it's a little bit more expectational, not, not knocking the situation at all, man. It's just um, a different type of, of friendship and things like that. So, you know, not, not beating around the bush too much. We're talking about itineraries, right? So if you look at the itinerary that my boys put together for for Seattle, it says like arrive in Seattle, do shit. Um, you know they have they have we they have dispensaries there, right? So it's like get drugs, um, <laughs> and then it's like go to the mountains, do shit in the mountains. You know it's like that's our tentative itinerary, right? But when you look at somebody, when you look at my fiance's itinerary for her bachelorette party, it is broken down like to the hour. The, the itinerary itself looks like a, a, a promo flyer for a club. You know, there's a lot of effort and thought put into it, which is awesome, right? A great showcase of friendship and things like that. I'm all about it. Um, but ours is nothing like that, right? It's just kind of like, hey, look, we'll figure it all out. Um, and sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't, man. But boys will be boys, right? So, um, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to go um, over to Seattle, kick it a little bit, unwind. It's been a year of uh, just staying at home, right? Not too much traveling. 
Um, and I, I have that, I got that wanderlust in me and I'm trying to, I'm trying to go out there and do things now. So, you know, hopefully everything stays well in the world and we can, um, we can get back out there. Cause I'm trying to be on some Mark Wayne shit. Um, again, holler at my boy, Mark Wayne's and, uh, yeah, I'm just trying to go out there, experience things, meet new people, talk to people and hear their stories. So, um, yeah, without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into it. So, um, naturally I have a, um, raspberry bubbly otherwise known as a sparkling bitch so let's go ahead and crack it open Alrighty, so today we're going to go through part three of Robo- roberto bolaño's um amazing novel titled 2666 now again um the the novel is so descriptive right i learned um thousands of new words i feel like um enhance my vocabulary a bunch um and the the attention to detail and the time that roberto bolaño took with developing this book is insane um he takes pages and pages just to set up a scene for you and it's it's all in the details right it's all in the semantics the the illustrations you can almost close your eyes and and be right there like you're in a movie theater right and that that is not easy you know um i was just talking to my fiance yesterday about um you know mark waynes again right just the way he describes food you know he doesn't he doesn't put too much subjectivity into it he describes things like the cardamom and um you know the starriness in there and things like that and that's very interesting because um for example if I were to, to tell you, hey, I ate a burger for dinner, right? That's fine. Okay, you got it. I ate a burger. But how was that burger? Was it tender? Um, were, the, were the buns, um, were, they, were they charred a little bit? Were they, could you tell they were put on the grill? Was there sesame seeds on the bun? Um, what kind of uh, a rub or, or seasoning was on the burger, right? So all the, the texture of it, was it, was it uh, extra chewy? Was it, um, was it, was it more uh, savory? Then um, sweet, I guess. Not that there's sweet burgers, but sometimes that there's a there's a there's a hint of sweetness in, in the meat, right? Um, like that that barbecue flavor versus like a smoky flavor, right? So all these little adjectives they give you a clear picture of what the the burger that I ate was like, right? And and I believe Roberto Bolaño takes that same detail and takes it a step further in this book. So um, what I'm gonna do is just. I've highlighted quotes as I've gone through the chapters, and um, I'm going to attempt to describe them a little bit. So let's go and jump right into it. So here's the first quote. The parked cars weren't nice cars or new cars, but they looked cared for. The parked cars weren't nice cars or new cars, but they looked cared for. Now, this says a lot about the people that live in this area, right, where this quote was said or, you know, being illustrated. Um, the cars themselves aren't luxury, luxurious cars, or maybe they're not even, maybe they are luxurious cars and not new, but they are being accounted for, right? The people are around, um, even though you might not see them, because they're taking care of their cars. Maybe there's a shine to the car. Maybe they're freshly washed. Maybe the tires are shiny, right? They put that oil on the tires to make them, you know, pop. Maybe the rims have no scuff marks on them, right? So the cars look like they're in good shape, okay? No bumpers uh, detached, no scratches on the car and things like that. Um, you know, it, you know. in terms of an example in my life, right? I go for walks uh, multiple times throughout the day. Um, and I walk in this neighborhood and I make this loop that's like exactly one mile. So when I run it, I can, you know, just kind of like run it like a track, you know? 
And every, at least a couple times a week, I'll see this guy outside washing his Audi. Now, it's an old Audi. It's like 10 to 15 years old, and you can tell um, by, the, by the shape of it, right? But he keeps it clean. Um, when I'm over there, he's like power washing it. He's taking all the mats out. He's He's got some like spray that he's spraying on a towel and rubbing the doors uh, on the insides and things like that. Um, and the car looks like it's kept in good shape. Now, this says something about the man, right? Like maybe, maybe it's a pride thing. Maybe he takes pride in his vehicle. Um, maybe it's a stature thing, right? Or maybe he has no other hobbies than to take care of his car all the time, right? Maybe that's his sanctuary, um, similar to like fishing for a lot of a lot of people, right? It's their getaway. So now, in order for me to relax, I'm gonna go outside. I'm gonna clean my car. And honestly, sometimes I'll, I'll do that, right? Sometimes I'll go run an errand just to get out of the house, right? Just yesterday, I went and filled gas in my car um, and um, got it washed. Um, it, it had been a month since I got my car washed and I get it washed every month, but I didn't really need to. I, I'm not driving anywhere for the next few days. I haven't really driven anywhere all week. So, but I was like, Hey, look, I need to get out of the house. Let me go do that. Right? So we hop off that quote. We'll jump to our next one. The two spurts of the inhaler could be heard all the way to the farthest corner of the church. The two spurts of the inhaler could be heard all the way to the farthest corner of the church. Now, the visuals here are very crazy. Now, uh, before, before this, Bolaño is describing how this pastor was giving a sermon and everyone is paying close attention, right? They're razored in. The, the pastor puts his finger up to pause for a second to the whole congregation and he starts digging around in his pocket, right? With all eyes on him, he pulls out this inhaler and he takes two puffs right in the middle of the sermon. So no, everyone has no option but to watch him as he takes these two puffs as inhaler. Now, why is this important, right? Maybe it's not important, but it certainly makes me feel like I'm sitting in that church listening to his sermon. And that might be the point of this, right? Now, I had mild asthma growing up. My mom is an asthmatic and... Every now and then, when we're in conversation, she will get a brief, you know, asthma attack and she'll have to stop everything and take a couple puffs of the inhaler. Now, the, the interesting thing about that is the, the, the puffs of the inhaler are almost an emergency for, for uh, someone who is an asthmatic, right? Um, but it's, it's very nonchalant for someone who's watching that happen. So, for example... Like, if my mom is having, like, an asthma attack, right, she's pretty calm about it. She knows where her inhaler is, and she goes to get it, and she takes the puffs, and then she's good, right? But what if she couldn't find it? It would instantaneously be an emergency, right? So whether or not that's useful in this, in this imagery, it's, it's, it's an important note, right, to just, to just remember. Um, it might say, say a lot about the, the guy's figure, right? Um, I don't want to be, you know, politically incorrect, but, um, you know, asthma can afflict anyone, right? Like I had asthma growing up right now. I'm a pretty skinny dude, but a majority of the people I know who have asthma are slightly overweight, right? Now that's not a blanket statement. It's just like, you know, kind of the way, um, it's kind of the, the way that it is in my life, right? So now it might tell you something about, um, the pastor 
and his his stature, right? His figure. So we'll wrap that one up and jump on to our next quote. When poor people make money, they should behave with greater dignity. When poor people make money, they should behave with greater dignity. Now, Bolaño is describing the feeling that this character is having when he sees this pimp ride around in a convertible in these Detroit neighborhoods, right? So um, this reporter is walking out of this building. He sees a couple of pimps riding around in this, you know, um, convertible, like whatever it is. Um, and the, the, the reporter is kind of instantaneously like, okay, what the fuck? Um, and what, what this is implying is that, you know, people who don't have money, when they begin to earn real money, they shouldn't just go spend it right away, even though that is the impulse, right? They should plan for the future. They should take their money, reinvest it into their communities, improve outcomes for the younger generation, right? It doesn't matter, like, you know, if students that you reinvest your money into, um, like, end up being nothing, right? The point is to try to always make life better. Help your neighbors, help those around you, uplift yourself, and then uplift others. Now, Jordan Peterson talks about this in his, his book, right? Like those, those who are poor, those who are downtrodden for some time, when they receive, you know, a lot of money, they, they probably don't have the knowledge or the, the further thinking to compound that money, right? They just are going to spend it on something that will kind of suffice for them in the short term. Um, those who are rich at birth, they'll generally continue that momentum um, from their earlier generations, right? Acting as a springboard. Um, and those who are consistently downtrodden are likely to continue that momentum downward and not know what to do really when good fortune comes their way, right? They don't have the education, the tools, the tips, the tricks they need to really put their best foot forward and change their situation as opposed to that interim fulfillment. So we hop off that quote, come to our next quote. You have to know how to look, even if you don't know what you're looking for. You have to know how to look, even if you don't know what you're looking for. Now, personally, um, you know, I've reached a point in my life where I'm not exactly sure what to do with myself at times, right? Like, I, I want to say I have a decent career. Um, I'm not necessarily looking for more money. Um, or another job. So it's like, how, how do I find purpose and, and meaning in my life, you know? Um, and even though I don't know exactly what it is I'm looking for, I'm figuring out how to look for it, right? One way that I think um, is working for me is being a student of life, right? Don't let my opinions um, and reservations curb me from having a good interaction, right? Meeting people, um, saying hi to people, um, being jovial, even if they're not, they're not giving me that energy back in return, or on the, on the inverse of that, they're giving, me, they're giving me bad energy all around. Like, I'm going to continue. When I go for walks, I say hi to everyone I, I, that encounters my path, right? Um, I make sure I'm emanating positivity. I'm trying to learn. I open myself up to a good interaction, right? Now, another thing is like forming good habits, right? Um, fitness, photography, reading, you know, cannabis, traveling, all of these things are teaching me how to look for meaning, or I'm going to find it in those things, right? Um, these are all positive things that are, that are, that are pu pushing me to a new level. And the things I derive from them 
um, are, are along lines of meaning, right? It goes above and beyond pleasure. Um, and all I can do is just constantly look in that direction, right? Um, seek, seek, seek. Just try my best um, to find the meaning, right? And I'll continue to enhance the ways I look for that meaning as well. Because what I what I I could do, right? I could just sit here and be existential, and that tends to happen to me on like Sunday nights, right? Um, when I when I get the Sunday scaries before going to work the next day, I could just sit here and be existential, but I gotta look I gotta look for meaning. Um, and if I have a recurring issue like I was, I have to address it, right? Um, otherwise, I can just sit in my misery and be a negative person. And, you know, adulthood all around is weird, man. Like, um, you know, once you get out of your out of your schooling, um, once your job settles off, maybe you get married, maybe you have a stable relationship or not, that, then what happens, right? But then you have a kid, maybe then you have a family. Fine, those are all good things. But what's going to bring you some further meaning? It could be that family life, right? Um, it, could, it could totally suffice um, and act as a springboard for you. But that's not for everybody. And... You have to know, right, when to look, right? You have to know, I think, personally, um, if you are blinding yourself or, you know, putting maybe a Band-Aid on it um, and not fully addressing um, your your opportunities and seeking meaning in life. So I'll stop rambling now because that's what I'm doing. And we'll hop off that quote and jump into our next one. Useless things are forced upon us. And it isn't because they improve our quality of life but because they are the fashion or markers of class. And fashionable people and high-class people require admiration. Useless things are forced upon us, and it isn't because they improve our quality of life, but because they are fashion or markers of class. And fashionable people and high-class people require admiration. Now, I think this is a really telling statement of society, right? Now, I don't think people do this on purpose. Um, I think it just comes like with your frame of reference, okay? So let me use like a story. And I don't know if this is directly like correlating. So I knew a girl back in the day, back in my college days, um, whose parents got her a brand new Jeep Cherokee. And like, what an amazing gift, man. Like, I pretty much drove around this 1995 red Chrysler caravan um, that, uh, you know, when you would push the gas pedal down, the car wouldn't respond for a few seconds, and then it would, like, really, you know, kind of catch up, and whatever, right? So I'm not going to, like, cry over here about that. Um, and so anyway, this this girl's parents got her a brand new Jeep Cherokee, and this was, like, some, you know, MTV, like, Sweet 16 shit going on, right? The, the chick was livid at her parents, and I was there for it, right, um, because she wanted a Lexus, so they actually traded in the Jeep and got her a Lexus. Now, that's a big time what the fuck for me because I was just wondering, like, what was running through her mind? Like, was she like, oh, my God, people are going to hate me if I, they're going to think I'm stupid if I roll up in this brand new Jeep and not a Lexus. Like, come on, dog. Um, and, you know, the how do I put it? People think that these, uh, these, these, um, different items, material items, um, really mean a lot, right? And to to a lot of people, they do, right? I, I knew a dude in grad school who was always like, like getting on me because I drive a Honda Accord. And I'm like, you know, I'm I, I, okay, yeah, for sure. I drive a Honda Accord. But like, 
if I wanted a BMW, I would get one, right? Like it's when, when you, when you compare material things, you take yourself out of the situation, right? Um, the dude never, the dude never like asked me about the books I was reading. He never wanted to like have a conversation. He never wanted to talk about like workouts or playing ball or traveling or anything like that. Just what material things do you have and how are my material things better than yours? To me, that's not conversation one, right? That's kind of like just one-upping each other. Um, and that's also not genuine friendship, right? Like, you know, there is friendly competition between your good friends, right? You know, me and my buddy who we run sprints every Sunday, right? But, and we are definitely like kind of competing with each other, but we're making each other better in that process, right? Compete to get better, which is what I'm totally down with, you know? Um, but in any case, um, like one of my, one of my other buddies the other day too, you know, um, came up to me, um, trying to flex on this new watch he got, right? He's like, yo, look at my watch, you know? And if I'm being a hundred percent honest, it was like an Omega watch. So I'm sure it was like thousands of dollars. Right. But I bought a similar looking watch from Target for 50 bucks. Right. Um, not, no worries. I'm not trying to say like, you know, I'm, I'm better than that or anything like that. But I, I asked him, like genuinely, I was like, oh, dude, is that from Target? And you could tell his soul sank a little bit, right? And he was pretty much visibly angry with me. He's like, what are you talking about, man? It's an Omega, dude. I was like, and he was kind of like sad the rest of the day. And I'm like, dude, it's not my fault you drop eight Gs on a watch, bro. Like, I know people do that, and I'm not judging anyone who does do that, but fuck that guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, um, it's all good, man. Like, um, you can have anything you want, but as soon as you try to flex on me, dude, I'm going to kind of like, I'm a kind of like roast you a little bit for flexing on me, you know? Um, and then again, you realize that like once you get out of this material competitiveness, competitiveness, once you realize um, and you get out of this material competitiveness with people, there can often be not much they want to engage you on, right? Like if we're talking about, oh, dude, you have this um, new Lexus. Oh, bro, I got the new Beamer. Oh, you take... Um, 40 grams of protein today? Oh, dude, I take 50. No worries. You know, it's like, bro, like I can't even talk to you anymore, right? So um, this is no fun for me. And um, hopping off that, because uh, I'm getting on a tangent there, and we can jump to our new quote. Reading is like thinking, like praying, like talking to a friend, like expressing your ideas, like listening to other people's ideas, like listening to music, like looking at the view like talking, like talking, like taking a walk on the beach. Reading is like praying, like talking to a friend, like expressing your ideas, like listening to other people's ideas, like listening to music, like looking at the view, like taking a walk on the beach. Now, I personally don't feel like I have to dive too much into this one, but I will, right? Because I'm here describing a book to you. Um, and the... Um, how I put it, the euphoricness, if that's a word, behind reading a good book is unparalleled, right? I love reading. I, it's like it's like traveling, right? It's in a different way. Um, you're hearing somebody's view of the world through their story or through their life experience, a similar experience that you get when you talk to somebody else from a different country, from a different state, right? And you hear their stories. You can You can escape through reading, right? Um, you get to, like I said, dive into somebody else's mind. And in a way, you get to know them a little bit, right? You know their tendencies through their writing styles. 
authors use similar trajectory sometimes. They use similar paragraph structure. They might use similar words, right? And that tells you a lot about the author, him or herself, right? And um, I, th I think over the past year and a half, two years, um, you know, I've read like 20 or 30 books and each one is different, right? Some are more factual, some are more um, fictional. And, um, you know, everyone has their own unique flair, on their on their publishings and i cannot um, describe to you how how um incredibly um i don't even know how, what the word is i just can't i can't even describe how how impactful reading is on my soul right um it i feel like it's made me a better person it's make me it's made me more humble more mature and um it's so therapeutic to read you know um, so I would encourage anyone to kind of just like commit to reading like 10 pages a day. Um, it might be tough at first, but if you commit to the habit and you do it every day, um, I think it'll work wonders for anybody. Now, um, every, you know, again, going off the different styles of authors, you know, every musician has a different style as well, right? Like we can say like, you know, The Weeknd is different from Travis Scott's, you know, Robin Sharma the author of The Monk Who Sold His Ferrari is different than Roberto Bolaño, but I can enjoy all these authors just like I enjoy all types of music. Um, and like when I, when I was reading The Alchemist by Paulo Coelho, um, I felt like I was in the towns that he was describing, right? The vivid imagery was there. Um, and I, was, I felt like I was in the desert too when he was describing that time. Um, I was learning in the desert just like the, the young boy in uh, The Alchemist was. So, you know, I'll hop off that quote, um, and we have two more for today. Um, here we go. Um, actually, we have three more, my bad. They embraced, and Oscar headed down the stairs, taking them in threes as if he were dashing for the street, like a boy heading out for a free afternoon with his friends. They embraced, and Oscar headed down the stairs, taking them in threes, as if he were dashing for the street, like a boy heading out for a free afternoon with his friends. Now, another extremely visually rich illustration here. Um, we've all done this, right? Uh, skip stairs when we're excited or just to kind of get down the stairs faster, right? I used to go up like two at a time. And then, when, um, you know, I used to try to run as fast on the stairs as I could. Um, sometimes I would eat shit, you know, hit the do -do 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 on the way down, but it's all good. Um, and you know, Bolania goes a step further and he says, right, like a boy heading out for a free afternoon. And now that adds a bit of um, youthfulness to the situation um, and it makes it a little bit more lighthearted. Like, um, why, why didn't he use an analogy like, you know, like someone who just got a call saying their loved one was in the hospital, like that type of rush, right? That's, that's a little dark, but that's a different type of urgency than a boy heading out for the afternoon, right? So the little details really do matter um, in, the, in this book, and it, ma it truly makes it a work of art. And, you know, I personally remember days like these, okay? So, you know, growing up, my parents were really strict, right? They, they would not really let me hang out um, with a lot of kids in my neighborhood. Um, so whenever the kids in my neighborhood would be like, hey, man, you know, we're, we're going to go to the rec center, play some ball. You want to come? Nine out of ten times, it was like a no, right? But on the one time uh, that my parents will let me go out, um, to like, you know, go play some ball and go roam around the neighborhood and get some, uh, get some Dairy Queen and shit. Those days I was giddy as hell, right? I was rushing down the stairs the same way that Bolaño is describing right now. 
So um, I think we all can kind of relate to that feeling that we get. Um, or like, you know, when we see a loved one after a long time, right? Um, you know, I remember in 2019, I believe, I went to Scotland for a week with my buddy. Um, and I hadn't seen my fiance for, for like, like eight days straight. Um, and when I got home, um, that was the first thing I was thinking about. I got home. She was still at work. Um, I got home and I like showered up, wanted to get really nice and freshed out. Um, and I was like, it was like, it was like a first date, right? Like you're, you're giddy, you're excited, you know, it's like butterflies moving around and shit. So, um, yeah, you know, some vivid imagery here that Bolaño is going through. Alrighty, two more quotes. Oscar imagined that she was married to the twin who had his arm around her, but that their marriage hadn't extinguished the other brother's love or dashed his hopes. Oscar imagined that she was married to the twin who had his arm around her, but that their marriage hadn't extinguished the other brother's love or dashed his hopes. Now, another powerfully visual quote right? How can you not feel like you understand the situation here, right? So Oscar Fate is is observing the situation. A wife, they're in a diner. Imagine one of those plush, red, cushiony, like steak and shake type booths. A wife and her husband. The husband has a twin brother. The, the, the husband has his arms, um, his one arm around the wife. And the other brother is looking in endearment and, and love uh, to, this, to, the, to his sister-in-law right? And um, he, he loves her. He does what he can from a distance. Um, and his, his, his hopes aren't crushed. They aren't thwarted, right? He still has love um, in his heart for her. And it showcases like some adultery. You know, I'm not sure. It doesn't really say that, you know, the lady is reciprocating, but, but maybe the wife and the brother have a past, right? You don't know that. And um, maybe it's one-sided too. The, maybe the wife doesn't know that the brother um, has this love for her, you know, but the brother is still hopeful and like hopeful of what, right? That the wife will, will leave his brother and come be with him. You know, is that really what he wants? Or is it, or is it such a raw and an immature and, you know, unpolished emotion that he's not really, really thinking about the long-term effects of what, what, what would happen if his, his true feelings like came to fruition, you know what I mean? So, um, I don't know. I'm doing a really deep dive on these quotes, but, um, you know, th this whole book made me do that. That's why it took me so long to get through because I would stop and think, um, about the underlying themes, um, and some of the underlying storylines that were beneath the main storyline as well. Alrighty. So we hop on to our last quote of the day. He saw the hallway and at the end of the hallway, he saw a rough cement staircase, as if the builders had left it half finished. He saw the hallway, and at the end of the hallway, he saw a rough cement staircase, as if the builders had left it half finished. Now, you understand the visual a little bit more, I think, because he says as if the builders had left it unfinished, right? This kind of gives you a stark difference between the rest of the house and the staircase, right? Um, it's a drastic change, right? The, the house seems so furnished, but then he says, this cement staircase seems like it was left 
unfinished, right? So it doesn't have the same polish and the same um, rigor to detail as a re remainder of the house. Now, as the character approaches the staircase, you can understand this sort of eeriness that it has, right? Like, why isn't it finished? Um, what, what's down there in that one staircase? Or what's up there? What does that staircase lead to? There's some mystery there that you want to explore, but you don't necessarily want to do it by yourself, right? Because there could be something dark and dangerous down there or up there. Um, so there's this air of, of mystery, um, this, this little melancholic vibe to it. Um, so yeah, again, so that's all the quotes um, you know I had for you guys today. Um, I really hope you guys are enjoying the podcast. I'm having a lot of fun with these. Um, again, I got some good guests coming up soon. So um, hopefully everyone's enjoying them. Feel free to leave me any feedback. And remember, only positivity. Thanks, guys.